I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Equity Mates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. The biggest news story of the past week here in Australia has been the Optus hack. Australia's second largest telco reported at the start of last week that they had been hacked and the data of up to 9.8 million Australians had been stolen. Australia's top cyber spy agency is trying to get to the bottom of who is responsible for a major hack on telco giant Optus. For context, with a population of 26 million people, that's almost 40% of the Australian population. We're not going to talk about what occurred and why, that's been covered already, but we've been talking in the office about what happens next. What do companies do when they've suffered a data breach? It can't be as simple as just turning on two-factor authentication. And these events are happening more and more frequently. It's Friday, the 30th of September, and today I want to know, what happens next for Optus? To talk about this today, I'm joined by the co-founder of Equity Mates and my colleague, Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome to The Dive. Hey, Sasha. Good to be here. Quick question. Do you have two-factor authentication on all your accounts? Uh, I do on some, not on all. Okay. So we, we're not completely in glass houses throwing stones, but this has certainly reignited my terror about cybersecurity. We came across so many fascinating stats and we're going to try and fit in as many as possible in this episode. So I'm going to start. I've got this one. According to Thales data threat report from last year, 45% of American companies have reported a data breach in the past year. 45%. That's crazy. Yeah, Sasha, this episode is going to be great for pub trivia. There's a lot of pretty unbelievable stats that we came across while researching. Here's one for you. The University of Maryland found that a cyber attack happens every 39 seconds. This is going to have me terrified of my laptop by the end of this episode, I think. So we're talking about cybersecurity and data breaches today because it's all over the news here in Australia, but our second largest telco, Optus, was hacked and the data of 9.8 million people was stolen. But this isn't the first telco to be targeted by hackers. Yeah, that's right. American telco T-Mobile was hacked last year in one of the more famous data breaches. To an astounding data breach that exposed the personal information of tens of millions of Americans, cell carrier T-Mobile says its records were compromised by what they are calling a highly sophisticated cyber attack. They saw the personal details of 76.6 million Americans stolen. Canada's fourth largest telco, Freedom Mobile, was hacked in 2019, and researchers suggest that up to 1.5 million Freedom Mobile customers could have been impacted. The company suggests the number was closer to 15,000. And then in France this year, La Poste Mobile was hacked. Telcos all around the world are suffering data breaches. And we're making it sound like telcos are somehow a target for hackers, but that's not the case. Simply 
every company that holds large amounts of data is a target. Companies from Target through to Canva have been victims of data breaches. Now to a CBS4 News security alert. Cases of cyber ransomware are on the rise. Those two examples are really great case studies. In 2013, hackers were able to steal 40 million credit and debit records and 70 million customer records from Target. The Secret Service is investigating a major data breach at Target. In 2019, Canva, the design platform, was hacked and details of up to 139 million users were stolen. It, it really is across the world, any company that holds data can become a target. Yeah, and as every industry has gone more online and been collecting more data about us, they've all become more vulnerable. So you think about data hacks being a software and technology industry problem. But in fact, according to IT governance, the technology sector just sees 14% of data breaches. Some other sectors that are particularly targeted, education sees 10% of data breaches, the public sector, so government departments, 18%. But the number one sector, one that I wouldn't have picked, healthcare, 26% of data breaches happen to an organisation in the healthcare sector. Yeah, you don't necessarily think of it, but once you put those things side by side, I guess the thing that ties these sectors together, education, government and health, they all collect a lot of personal detail. And if you combine them, you've got a pretty clear picture of who a person is. And I think that's why telcos have also been a target over the years, because they have a lot of data on us and we provide a lot of information when we sign up, including in the case of Optus, some customers provided passport details and driver's license details. But Sasha, we said we were going to have a lot of fun facts throughout this episode. Here's another one. According to the American Journal of Managed Care, hospitals spend 64% more on advertising the two years following a data breach. Trying to rehab their image, is that right, Alec? I guess so, yeah. So in cases of a data breach, be it a telco or any other company, generally what happens next is pretty much the same. The lawyers get to work and a class action is put together. Lawyers are preparing to launch a class action against the telecom provider over the cyber attack. Yeah, the lawyers get to work very quickly. There are already multiple class action lawsuits pending against Optus. It, I think it was literally the day of or maybe the day after that class action whispers started. And we see it time and time again with data breaches. It really is after the company announces the data breach, it's sometimes even before customers get notified, the lawyers are ready. Target in 2017 agreed to pay $18.5 million to settle their class action lawsuit. At the time, it was the largest settlement for a data breach class action, $18.5 million. Just five years later, T-Mobile agreed to pay $350 million to settle their data breach class action lawsuit. So you can see that the amount of money that is getting paid out by these companies as part of these settlements is growing pretty quickly. Yeah, well, they say our data is valuable. 350 million is a pretty nice sum. I think it's important to note that that's like four bucks, five bucks a customer in the case of the T-Mobile breach. 75 million customers, $350 million. It's not exactly a lot of money. For, per customer. You're not going to be retiring early. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
But Alec, the costs don't stop there. IBM reported last year that the average cost of a data breach was $4.24 million. And not only did that come from any legal damages, but also the costs of lost business, the cost of notifying customers, and actually fixing the security problems. So let's take a quick break, and then I want to talk about what happens to the company after the flaws are fixed and the legal damages are paid. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Prime Minister has now warned Optus to pay victims of its data breach. Customers across the country are being forced to organise new driver's licences, passports and Medicare accounts. Welcome back to The Dive. Today we're talking about Optus's data breach. Alec, we came across so many interesting facts and figures when researching this story. I'm going to throw another one in here. According to the State of Cloud Security report by Sophos, 70%, yes, that's seven in 10 cloud infrastructure projects are breached within just one year. Yeah, that's pretty astounding. Here's one from me, Sasha. American telco Verizon did a study and found that more than one third of data breaches start with a phishing attack. You know, those spam emails that look like they've come from a real company and ask you to like put your login details or your personal details in. So uh, this is a reminder to be careful of what email links you're clicking on. Alec, my old company used to send those as tests to see who was gullible. I fell for it every time. It was really embarrassing. Oh, no, Sasha, that's not good for equity mate security. And now you've made that public. So now equity mates and you're going to be targeted even more. No, I've reformed. I've educated myself. I've done my reading. So after a cyber attack happens, the security floor is fixed and the legal damages are paid. We want to know what happens next. So we're going to break this into three parts. First, what happens to the company? Second, what happens to the customers? And thirdly, what happens to the data? So let's start with the companies. They often struggle for some time. A study we found suggested that companies that have suffered a data breach underperform on the share market for a further three years. Yeah, now this is an American study, but Comparatech looked at the share price of 34 companies listed in the United States that had experienced major data breaches. Some of their key findings, about three weeks after the breach was announced, share prices were down an average of 3.5%. So that's not huge. You, you would think in some cases it would be down more. But one year after the breach... The 34 companies underperformed the NASDAQ index by an average of 8.6%. Three years after the breach, the companies underperformed the NASDAQ index by an average of 15.6%. So you can see that there are some longer lasting impacts from these data breaches. One good thing though, Alec, is that we don't see companies often having repeat breaches. I know I'm stretching there for a good news story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, 
it would be a really worrying trend if we did. And I guess we can understand why that is the case. All of a sudden, executives, it's the first thing on their mind. All of a sudden, employees are doing more and more don't click on phishing emails training. And all of a sudden, they're staffing up their cybersecurity departments and they're, they're more willing to listen to concerns that these experts are raising. So on the cyber workforce shortage piece, uh, what we've seen is that the shortages, unfortunately, are much greater than anyone has previously predicted. IBM found that the larger the data breach, the less likely the organisation is to have another breach in the following two years. So, I mean, that is a silver lining, however slim. So that's what happens to the companies. What about the customers? Do they change purchasing decisions? I mean, I've seen so many memes about teaching your parents to use two-factor authentication this week. So the study shows that when companies have a data breach, they go on to underperform the general stock market index. And the customer story is a big reason why. Because survey data tells us that customers would abandon brands after data breaches. A survey by PCI Pal found 83% of customers in the US will stop spending at a business for several months post data breach. In Canada, it was 58% of customers. In the UK, 44% of customers. And in Australia, 43% of customers. I guess we're just more forgiving down under than some other countries. But but I think, you know, there, and there's, there's a number of reasons why that is. Your, your perception of a brand is tarnished if you don't think that they are careful with your data. Maybe you're worried that their systems are still vulnerable or there's still, you know, a hacker in the system that can collect more data so you're less willing to to shop with them or create an account with a certain brand. So there are a number of reasons why it could be the case. But this survey seems to suggest that customers are willing to switch brands or abandon a certain company at least for several months uh, if a data breach happens. And so the final thing is, what happens to the data? In the case of this Optus hacker, they were holding the data for one million US dollars ransom, but then they withdrew the demand, claiming there was too much attention, and they also claim to have deleted the data. So let's just go through what the apology said as to why. Maybe it gives us a hint as to why it was taken down. The Optus hacker said, too many eyes. We will not sail data to anyone. Yes. Now, Sasha, do you believe that they deleted the data? Uh, I mean, no. But <laughs> it's like if you make your living out of being a hacker, how trustworthy are you going to be? Well, I think that's a question a lot of people are asking at the moment. But we don't know what's happened to this particular data set. And it's a data set that is massive, up to 9.8 million Australians. But in general, there are three common outcomes for the data that's stolen in a data breach or a hack. The first is nothing. There are armies of white hat hackers, which uh, is a term for, I guess, ethical hackers that try and break into systems and test uh, security vulnerabilities and try to steal data with the aim of helping companies figure out where they're vulnerable and then plugging those gaps. So if one of these hackers steal data, they'll destroy it or they'll return it. It's important to note that there is actually a business model here. Companies will often pay white hat hackers for finding out vulnerabilities. So 
you know, you, if you were a hacker, Sasha, you could make a good living stealing data, returning it to the companies and getting paid to show them where they're weak. When I was hacking, if I wanted to gain access to a secure company, I wouldn't go kick the front door down. I would target people I know who have access, who I know bring personal devices into a building or who do things that are adjacent to the sensitive stuff. And I would then work my way up. But that's that's the first bucket, nothing. The second bucket is like what happened in this Optus case. Data can get held to ransom. A study by Veeam found that 76% of companies pay the ransom to recover their data. So there's a thriving, I guess, data ransom industry. But an important caveat for any CEOs out there that are thinking about paying a ransom, the study found that a third of the companies that pay the ransom still do not get their data back. So that's the second. And then the third is that the data is sold online to other people that are interested. And that's where you hear about, you know, data brokers on the dark web and stuff like that. So speaking of data being sold on the dark web, let's close out the episode with some details about how much different pieces of data will sell for. According to dark web researchers in 2020, a cloned credit or debit card with a PIN number can sell between $15 and $35 on the dark web. Yeah, which is cheaper than I thought it would be. But surprisingly, so compare that, a Gmail account login with you know username and password sells for an average of $156. So I guess the question is, why is an email so much more valuable than someone's card details and their PIN number? Well, it's really because these days email unlocks everything. You could password reset every single online account someone has if you have their email logins, their internet banking, their social media accounts, everything. And that's why cybersecurity experts say your email password should be different to every other password you use. So Sasha, the final question, is your email password different to every other password you use? It is. Uh, part of the follow-up from my phishing training was that I got LastPass. So I feel pretty secure about my um, internet security. But anytime we do one of these episodes, it absolutely terrifies me. How about you, Alec? Uh, yeah, I've got the most difficult to guess email password you'd ever think of so hackers i'm not a good target <laughs> come at me no i won't don't take that back in all seriousness it wasn't until i was prepping for this episode and now it is well if you've been thinking about changing your email password this is your sign to go out and do it right now if you enjoyed this episode if you picked up a couple of tips then please tell a friend about it it really is the best way for our podcast to grow if you've just joined us for the first time welcome go check out our back catalog and also check out the something new that we've dropped in the feed as well alongside this episode you'll see a short headlines companion It'll keep you up to date with all the business news of the day. You can find it right there in your podcast feed. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at thedive.businessnews. You can contact us by email, thedive at equitymates.com. And you can subscribe wherever you're listening right now so you never miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alec, and terrifying me about cybersecurity. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. 
The Dive is a product of Equitymates Media. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of The Dive acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The hosts of The Dive are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. Thank you.